Hi, I'm Ellie Vates for the Heart Temple. And I'm Nick Ribeiro with Chain Assembly. And together we've designed a project called Women's Wheel. It's based on the philosophy of women evolving with the seasons. And new modern archetypes that exist within those seasons. This new way of thinking is presented in a core set with many items and activities designed to further understanding between you and the women around you. Much more than self-help, these tools are for one or more participants in a community growing setting. Learn more about the Women's Wheel core set and its development at www.womenswheel.co. Today I'm joined by an amazing photographer who I have the pleasure of knowing, Lisa Presnell. Lisa and I met because we are in the same neighborhood and members of the same artist group for our neighborhood, the Artist Enclave of Historic Kenwood here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Lisa was uh, generous enough to give me some of her time to talk to me about being a professional photographer. So Lisa, thank you for joining me. Oh my gosh, thank you. I, I'm uh, thrilled and also a little bit embarrassed because I don't really think that I have a whole lot to share, but I guess maybe 15 years in the business. But um, Nick, I do really admire you're always doing stuff, different stuff and pushing the envelope and sharing it too. Thank like you. With people <laughs> like, here's how we do this and let me show you how to do like the Kickstarter and all that stuff. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I mean, it was actually kind of the artist enclave um, group that helped me kind of have the idea for this podcast because I was just regularly meeting with people and chatting about how things are going and I just figured at some point I might as well record it so yeah <laughs> so why don't you tell me about your uh, early days of photography and how you started getting paid to do it I guess okay well I was um, I spent the first part of my career in property management which was really high stress and I liked it initially, but then I hated it toward the end with um, the way everything was going public and the pressure to just make profits. And it, be, it became where it was just about profit and it was no longer about the people, which drove me crazy because I really, that was always my focus was the customer, the resident came first and the bosses and everybody else came second, but they switched it up on me. And then I found that I was really miserable. I'd come home crying all the time. Mm. And mean and simultaneously, my um, late husband, he bought me one of the first digital cameras that was really good. You know, when they first came out, they were terrible and not worth using. But then the, one of the first ones that was actually pretty decent, he got that for me. And um, I had tried film cameras before and darkroom, but I just didn't like the darkroom thing. But the digital camera, that first one, I just loved it. It was like instantaneous and I guess I just am very impatient so that really resonated with me and so I started just um, messing around taking pictures and then I would take it to work. I was still in the corporate world and I would take it to the meetings, the big corporate you know hoedown things and take pictures of the meetings just because I, I was fascinated by it. And then eventually uh, some of my friends and coworkers started asking me to shoot stuff for them, like their weddings. And so I would do that and get paid. And um, then finally, um, 
my second husband, he, he, I think he was just sick of hearing me complain at the end of the day about the corporate world. And he said, God, you know, life is short. Just quit. Do photography. So that's kind of how I jumped in. And I had a, right off the bat, I had a really big wedding waiting for me, the, my first big, big gig. And um, it was pretty, pretty fun. And like Hulk Hogan was there and oh. Howard Stern, oh, cool. like at the Gulfport Casino. I mean, it, it was the most surreal thing to see at the Gulfport Casino. They had, um, the, you know, the wedding reception was all set up as a regular wedding, but really nice. But, but they had buffet, and then I turn and look, and there's Howard and Beth standing in the buffet line. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, like, compute. Mm -hmm. Like, why, why is he standing in line? Like, people make room for him. But it was really fun. And I loved, I love, weddings are like a love-hate thing. I think most photographers would say they hate them, but there's just, they are so fascinating. Everyone is different and there's so much happening all at the same time. And, you know, as a woman, I love all the, like, the details and the, the dresses and the hair and all that stuff that goes with it, but it is extremely stressful. So that's the part that I hate about it. Uh, it's just, you know, you don't have, there's no opportunity to make a mistake. You don't, you can't do it over. So you just have this weight on your shoulders. You feel it. I do about a week before it's like this thing just settles down on you. Like, oh yeah, I cannot get sick. I can't mess this up. I, you know, I have to be on my game and I always have a second shooter just in case, but still it like a regular shoot, corporate shoot or something. If for some reason something didn't go right, you know, that would be horrible, but you could go back and do it again. Can you describe what like your workflow would be for a wedding, for example, like leading up to it? What is the plan? What do you communicate? And oh gosh, what do you coordinate? Yeah, thanks. Um, sometimes I mean, it's many, many, many conversations, and sometimes you know a year or more in advance. Um, starting with, you know, we usually if um, most of my clients are referred to me or not, uh, I've never really done any advertising, so they're pretty much referred to me or they hear or see something. So there's a lot of like getting to know each other initially, conversations, we meet in person, then we talk about, I try to find out what their whole style is, their vibe and guide them. So there are many um, meetings, a lot of like logistics that we figure out because if I get in early I, in the planning stage, as the photographer, I think I might be a little selfish, but I kind of like try to guide the bride and groom to do things in a nice sequence so that it provides the best opportunity for the best photos. Because sometimes, you know, bride bride will, you know, want to have their wedding right at sunset. That's a common request. To me, it's like a waste because right after then it's dark mm. and we need the natural light for the best picture. So we usually like talk to people about that and then Leading up to it, there's some more meetings at the venue and you go through the run through and then the day of it's just a, it's a full day, full blown, like I feel like a um, like a professional athlete, really. It's it's uh, extraordinarily taxing for me physically and mentally, but it is it pays well. And I, I do. It's kind of like this stress. And then when you're, you have all the pictures, all the pictures afterwards, like there's always thousands <laughs> yeah probably four thousand easy so like day of do you go in there with like a physical checklist that you're marking off as you get those scenes or is it all mental 
mental. Okay. Um, some photographers use a um, checklist. I don't because I like, I mean, I, there are, um, I always ask the client if they have a specific thing, like, is there a family member that's 100 and they're not going to make it to next year? So they'll tell me if there's something like that. But in general, you just instinctually know which, what are the shots you have to get. And then I like to be free to capture the real moments as they're happening and not being looking at a, a piece of paper. That happened to me early on and it was devastating like because I didn't expect it. And it was a big deal wedding at the um, Don Cesar and it was real fancy. And, and right out of the blue, the groom handed me this checklist and I, I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, now I got to read this paper? I can't, I cannot read stuff on a paper and look around and like, you know, document. So I made it a point after that to always tell people like, yeah, I don't really work with checklists. And, uh, but the, the culling and editing process afterwards is easily, uh, I would say a week's, like a wedding is mm -hmm. about a week's worth of work, really okay. a solid 40 hours or more. So like one hour of shooting would translate to what? Like five hours of editing maybe? At a wedding? Um, mm, mm, I never really did the math quite like that, but it's a real, it's, it's very lengthy process to like go through and yeah. you know just get get it all once i get it all called down to like a nice manageable set then i enjoy the next phase which is the editing and not mm -hmm. not really retouching every picture but uh, like an average wedding might have 600 500 pictures that i promised to them so i would do like a general edit mm -hmm. exposure and crop and color and then a certain number that i retouched like super fine are you doing that editing in Lightroom or something else? I use um, Photo Mechanic to do mm -hmm. the sorting and culling, and then Lightroom for the general edits, and then Photoshop for the retouching. Oh, okay. Interesting. So why is it you don't just use one program for all of those? I mean, I guess Photoshop makes sense. You wouldn't use that for culling, but uh, why wouldn't you just do the culling through Lightroom? You know, that's a good question, but I think uh, I'm, I'm very uh, old school in habits. Mm -hmm. When I form them, they're really hard to break. But early on, my first teacher, she's a photojournalist, and she showed me Photo Mechanic, and that's the program mm -hmm. that like journalists use, mm -hmm. a documentarian photojournalist. So they have to keep everything highly organized and quick. Mm -hmm. So I got used to using that for that purpose, and then Lightroom came around, and I liked it for its different reasons. So is there any type of organization of the photos that you do day of? Like renaming the file that it like saves as on the camera or anything like that? I don't. Mm -mm. No. So no, I yeah, all the organizing happens after the fact. Yeah. Okay. When I download them, I, I name them then and put them one place, one drive, back them up. Okay. And uh, it's, it's the fun part. <laughs> so do you name them with any type of like... So, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with the, the software you're using, but I know with Lightroom you can add keywords and tags as well as like longitude and latitude to all the stuff. Is that anything you really mess with or is it really just the file name itself? I just do the file name mm -hmm. and um, honestly, I wish, I wish that I had learned earlier on mm -hmm. how to use all the tools within Lightroom because I understand I'm... I'm only using a, a little tiny portion of it, and that organizational part is mm -hmm. could be really beneficial to me. 
but the, like the um, you know the library and the sure. folders and yeah, everything. I know like with Lightroom, you it, it can sort photos based on facial recognition, mm -hmm. which I seem I assume would be helpful in a situation like shooting a wedding. Mm -hmm. um, but I've never photographed an event like that so I mostly just you know walk around with the camera and take pictures so I, I don't have much use for any of that kind of deeper categorization of stuff so uh, what type of equipment would you say you go to a wedding with I always overpack and um, I hate myself for that but I just do I can't I can't I, can't, I keep telling myself okay Really, keep it simple. You're not going to need all this stuff. But then I kind of panic at the end because I realize, well, I just need, I just have it in my car. I'll just pack it just in case. So I bring um, my my two camera bodies and then I have my standard le uh, lenses would be my 70 to 200 and 24 to 70. That's the 24 to 70 is like I call it the workhorse. So they're both adjustable then? Yeah. Okay. Um, 2.8 and they're the L series so the professional level and um, then I have a 17 to 40 which I love I love the big wide shots mm -hmm. of like just all the different things going on especially you know when people start going crazy later on and uh, sometimes I'll bring the 85 but those those three for sure and then we bring um, on-camera flashes which I don't really, I don't love, but they're actually pretty necessary in many cases, but then also off camera lighting. So we'll have a couple of strobes, two or three set up in various places okay. early, not during the ceremony. Generally, that wouldn't be the case, but um, at, afterwards. Do you ever um, cloud backup while you're at the event? No. Okay. So you just have like... How many memory cards are usually cycling through at a wedding, would you say? Um, no, well, mine are like, they're pretty big, so uh, uh, two or three. Okay. And I mean, how many usually, batteries do you end up swapping through? My batteries, um, they last quite, I would say two would be, if that, usually, I mean, I, I bring a bunch. <laughs> but sure. I seldom use them. Okay. It used to be the case with the um, on-camera flashes. Those took like the little four or, or double A's. That would drive me crazy because they would go, I'd go through tons of those. But now the flashes that I have, it has, um, I forget what you call it, but the battery lasts forever. Like hundreds and hundreds of shots. Okay. And super powerful. So over the years of doing wedding photography. I know it's just one part of all the photography you do, but um, just gives me something to latch onto for the conversation. Over the years of doing wedding photography, is there anything you stopped doing that you used to do early on and you've just over time learned it's not really worth the effort? Gosh. Um, no, I really can't think of anything. In fact, um, if I stopped doing something, it's been just I don't want to say laziness, but like I I do have a tendency to, you know, initially right out of the corporate world, I was very like, oh, I had to have contracts. I had to have them all organized and like signed and dotted. And over the years, I've, you know, a lot of my clients are repeat clients and I'm a little more lackadaisical sure. when it comes to things like that. So if anything, 
I'm not doing the things like the normal, like a normal business would do. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a little more shooting from the hip. So do you get paid up front or like a portion up front or? We, um, the standard is that you get a deposit early on. I used to get like 50% and then the other 50% you get like the day before or the day of. I always try to get it the day before that way, you know, the bride doesn't have to worry about it. But then I realized, man, after, you know, cause I've already spent the first half. So I've changed it up where now I just get like a $500 deposit. And then they pay me the big amount the day of, or the day before. That way I just feels like I'm getting paid adequately sure. or more fairly. It's just a mental thing. Do you have a system to like separate money that's being allocated towards new equipment or like business expenses? Or is it just as things come up, you buy them? As things come up, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm the worst. Well, no, I, I just recently started. Uh, I read this book called Profit First, which is you're familiar with it. Uh, I can get heard oh, it. Yeah, it, it's an amazing book, but um, it really helped me kind of rethink how to um, uh, organize my income from my business. So I have money now that I'm dedicating specifically for equipment. So that as something, as I have enough in that, I'm like, okay, let's see what I can buy now, rather than just kind of shopping because I have a lot in the bank. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that really kind of, uh, I feel like it forces me to advance my business even when I wasn't planning on it. But I don't know, it's it's just kind of, it's a fun, interesting place to be in. It's it's like a little fun shopping game I get to have every couple oh, months no. now. <laughs> it's, gosh, it's it's very smart and the way it should be done. And, and again, you know, back in the corporate days, that's exactly, we had a budget, we had to, and there were always like, hey, we have this money, we have this money, like we need to spend it. And you had to, but um, it was always about that, you know, planning for those big expenditures and, I have um, I have some issues with my business end of my business <laughs> where I, I uh, wish I dream sometimes like God wish I had a partner or somebody that was really into like mm-hmm. marketing or the business end of it and I could just shoot more right because I do get a little overwhelmed with that end of it but I am um, d- um, kind of we just formed a little pod of a couple of photographer friends. And that's what we're really hmm. talking about, trying to encourage each other. Well, that seems like it'd be a pretty good idea, too, if you all, like, because maybe, you know, one person's business isn't enough to have a full partner that just does the business management side, but all of you together could maybe allocate towards, like, if it's four of you, two hours per day, you're basically paying for someone's role as a business manager or office manager or something like that. So that'd be a pretty good way to split the cost amongst multiple people. And then they can help coordinate all of the uh, scheduling and payments and all that stuff for you. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, but that seems like it could be a thing. The thing with it's, it's, um, it's one of these weird kind of um, with photographers, I find that we, and myself included, we're all a little territorial. Mm-hmm. And, and in this group that I'm in, we, they're extraordinarily generous and forthcoming and gracious with everything. And I, I hope that I am as well. I don't feel like I have as much to offer, but um, it's, it's really nice to be in this group, but still we each have our own kind of thing we do. So it's kind of gets a little tricky mm. when you mix up like 
Gotcha, hey, are you? Sense. No, you're doing that style, and like, <laughs> yeah. But you know, we we want the best for each other. So, and you know that old, you know, the we all gain together and, yeah. and rise up. That's kind of what we're striving for. Okay, I like that. And raising prices. Yes, it's like way, <laughs> yeah, way overdue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what percentage of your gigs these days would you say are wedding based? Um, mm, probably. 10%. Okay. Not so, a lot. So you also mentioned you did a lot of corporate stuff. Is that mm-hmm. like usually like walking into a business and taking portrait photos or what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, corporate stuff would be um, anywhere from headshots to events. They have like a lot of like different events and weddings. Uh, not weddings, but like meetings or um, training sessions. Sometimes they want their office space shot, which I can do as well. Architectural stuff. And just all kinds of different things they're doing, ribbon cuttings, anything business related. And I, I actually enjoy the corporate work probably the most because it feels very, there's not any like emotionally draining thing. And if you it's, miss something, you could probably go back the next yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of like they're, the people that hire you, they're spending someone else's money. Mm-hmm. It's all business. We agree on what the job is, and no one is taking it super personal. Where, like, with a portrait session, personally, you know, it's all about like that unique person. Okay. So it's I, I enjoy the corporate, and it, it does pay well, and it's usually you know nice hours and great pay. So I like that as the bread and butter. But the weddings and things, um, you know, physically. And artistically, that's where I really was pushing to try to like make my garage studio into more artsy and um, I'm still working on that. (laughs) Well, actually, you have an amazing garage studio. Let's talk about your process in building that out. Well, um, that was a little bit of labor of love, but I... I did used to have a really nice studio in Tampa. It was an old cigar factory and it was like almost a thousand square feet. It was beautiful, light, big, you know, cigar factory windows, gigantic. And I loved it. But when I moved to St. Pete, I noticed that I fell into the thing that I always heard people say was like, when when I was in Tampa working, people in St. Pete would say, oh, I don't know, I don't want to cross the bridge. And I always thought, wow. That's lame. But when I moved here, I started feeling that way. Like, I didn't want to drive to my studio in Tampa. So I ended up giving it up. And then I was looking around here in St. Pete for a new studio. And then one day, one of my friends just said, why don't you just shoot in your garage? Like, it's it's there. It's free. And it seemed easy when she said it that way. But then, you know, it, it took a little bit. We, I mean, it's not anything fancy. But... I don't have any storage now, so that did create a little bit of a problem because I had to empty everything out of there. I mean, I don't. <laughs> its level of fanciness is probably not as impressive as just the fact that you have a dedicated space to taking photos. Yeah. I would kill for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what kind of stuff do you have set up in there? It changes all the time, and um, it's as much as I, I have this vision in my head, like I want it to be really organized and sleek looking. But every time I have a shoot, I find that I am spending so much time moving things around, pulling things out, putting them away. 
And after the shoot, I'm exhausted. So right now, if we walked in there, you'll see I have like V flats, you know, the big tall ones. They're everywhere. Props are everywhere. And I'll I'll put it back together probably tomorrow. But um, it it's it is fun. I do love like I I my office is out there where I do all my editing. So that's kind of nice. Like I can leave the house. I feel like I'm going to work. That's cool. And um. Is that yeah, yes. so if anyone's listening in, Lisa has a gorgeous dog who's going to town on himself right now. I don't. <laughs> it's okay. And what's his name? Nigel. Nigel. Nigel Barton. Nigel's having a good time. Nigel, what do you think about photography? Um, he's got his rope. He's good. <laughs> so um, how would you, say, approach someone who reaches out to you that wants a portrait session? I guess similarly, you kind of see what they're into. Yeah, it's um, the question is always uh, they'll it's everyone does the same thing. Hey, I want um, this, and I need to know how much it will be, and what do I get? And over the years, I have tried. It's it's painful for me to like come up with. Oh, I'll put all my prices on the website so they can see and they don't have to wonder and I don't have to make stuff up on on the fly. So I've done it all different ways, but I find that to be truest to myself, I literally can't just quote a price because I have to know what they really mean. What what do they really want? Oh my gosh, I can make him. No, it's okay. I'm fine with Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. God. Nigel's got an itch. <laughs> um, but trying to think of an example, it, it just it it happens all the time where I think someone says oh i just want a headshot and i'll feel brave like oh okay i'll just give them a price without really talking to them because people are always in a hurry and they don't want to like necessarily talk about stuff or make phone calls or answer the phone so i do that and then i find out oh well they actually really wanted something much more and so then it's like this awkward i have to regroup so my ideal scenario is when i get an inquiry, I really want to talk to the person on the phone. The emails and the texting, it just doesn't get to the bottom of like, what do they really want? What is that vision and what do they need the photos for is really important to, to see where, you know, how they're going to be used. So, and then I can make recommendations and kind of come up with a vision and a plan for them, whether it's just in the studio or on a location somewhere or both. I, I, um, like to do it that way. Kind of a custom session almost always. Well, yeah. <laughs> I imagine it'd be pretty tough too to, I mean, something that's so involved and has so many different steps, like, you know, photos and then editing and then delivery, it's really hard to have a set price list. So I imagine it would make sense kind of based on what they're looking for. You're going to kind of estimate how much time that's going to be and then calculate that. So do you usually try and guess how many hours a project would be involved and make your price based on that? Or, I don't know, how do you kind of mm. come up with a number? It's, it, I think it's more instinctual. I, I'm not really in, uh, strong when it comes to like calculating math and stuff, but I do, if it's a bigger project and there are moving parts and I have to hire people, then I do, you know, put pen to paper and try to figure out because I, I'll have that overhead of hiring and managing other people. So, um, 
But in general, what I do know is I always spend more time than I think I'm going to. <laughs> and so I tend to not charge by the hour because I feel like it wouldn't be fair to the client. Like, sure. Because I'm slow. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just, I can't stop. Like, it's every detail and I just, I wish I could. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh, no, wait, there's that, there's this. And um, so that it's just a, kind of a, a, a gauge of how long I think it'll take. And So do you kind of go back and look at projects once they're finished and think, I could have charged less or I could have charged more or I should have charged more? And then like kind of come up with, uh, I guess, written rules for yourself based on that? Ooh, this is... This is good. <laughs> I need written rules. I need a manager. I, I mean, because you can never really tell if something, true. you can never really tell if you price something accurately until you actually get paid for it. Mm -hmm. That's when you kind of have the moment to reflect. So I was wondering how like concrete your reflection would be in those situations. I know for certain that I need to be earning more money for what I do. To give you just a little snapshot, that one of the, um, Facebook groups that I sort of uh, follow and I know some of the people that are actually in the program that have actually done it and the photographer that is the coach she's in um, Naples or Fort Myers mm -hmm. so she's kind of local and I know people that know her and I just know by following the Facebook group she's really legit but to get to the point she there are people in this group and it's called level up and um, and there's another name for it, Rise to the Top. But this photographer, and this was just yesterday, she and she sent the invoice for people to see, but it was $17,000 for one shoot. Like, wow. And, and they have a club, they call it the $10,000 for one shoot. Now that does cover product too, so it's not all profit. It's, um, but still. Prints. Which, yeah, prints and wall art, mm -hmm. which, you know, that might be like, 40% cost of goods mm -hmm. and service, so the rest would be profit. But, you know, it's 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 so much more than what I'm charging, and uh, that is the goal of this little pod that we're in, to try to motivate each other to, like, come on. I mean, we're starving. I'm starving artist, really, at so this point. <laughs> you described her as legit, in your mind, not thinking about yourself, what would you consider legit in the world of photography? Oh, legit in the sense of, um, you know how many different um, coaching and business groups there are online? And, you know, they can't all be really perfect and, and um, genuine. This one, though, is that, that's what I meant by legit. She's mm -hmm. not only a really accomplished photographer, oh, but gotcha. her business model, that her mm -hmm. business model is based on give, give, receive. So at the core, she's very much about like, you know, you've got to develop relationships, throw away your business cards, like just go out and meet people and make connections. And that really is what I need to be doing. So that, that kind of brings me to a question that I think I'm going to start asking more often on this podcast. And that is who is your hero business-wise? Like, who are you trying to model your... Whose business are you trying to model your business after? So do you think that might be her? Oh, gosh. Um, in a sense. No, she is... They do... Oh, here's, here's the little... What I find... I always find a wrinkle because that's <laughs> just what I do. But, like, 
they do more maternity and family stuff, which, mm. so a lot of the, like, you know, parents, they want all kinds of wall art of their children, where I really, really love doing, like, nudes and mm -hmm. boudoir, and generally speaking, people don't want to put big wall art up of themselves naked. Not always the case, but, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out my little, where I fit in there, but I would absolutely say she is like right up there at the top because of it's not just i we need to make money it's not that at all it's like the customer is going to be served mm. and get the best quality the best experience from a to z even going to their house and hanging the, the work for them and um so i like that about her name her name is megan depiro and um the the little pod that we're talking together here is um, Urban Dog Studio, my friends. Do you know them? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay, yeah. so <laughs> I love their, like, They're Lori, amazing. Lori yeah. is, oh, man, she is, like, sharp as they come. And, you know, Nikki, they're both very talented. Lori's the business mind in that mm -hmm. set, and uh, I really admire her. Okay. She's a go-getter. <laughs> very cool. When yeah. I put this on uh, online, I'll make sure to tag her. Yeah, and Dylan Todd, he's in um, the artwork or the you know, artist enclave. No, no, oh. no. Um, just out um, the Grand, not Grand Central Arts Warehouse. Uh, warehouse. Yes. Warehouse. Yeah. yeah, he's there, and he's really I recognize awesome the name. too. I don't know if I've met him or seen his stuff. Super nice. Okay. Really nice and talented. So you did also mention you like doing more of the nudes and the boudoir stuff. How? Um, how lucrative would you say that has been for you versus how intellectually rewarding would you say it's been to, for you? I really, um, early in my career, that was very my very first genre that I loved and was really busy for quite a while. There weren't nearly as many boudoir photographers back then. Um, and it was pretty profitable because there were less of us and I was in a networking group and it was, I stayed pretty busy making okay money and I love it. I just love it. I love like the feeling of like camaraderie with women and having them feel good about themselves. Where I've changed a little bit over the years is I don't necessarily love like, I don't want to dress women up as like the playboy model or the toy for the man i want the woman to have her own you know her own distinct like sensuality sexuality whatever separate from any man and um that there a lot of women do feel that way but still the boudoir is an easier sell sure and i'm not sure how to get over this little hump <laughs> and then <laughs> The other dilemma, and see, I told you, I come up with all the wrinkles, but the older and more mature women that have, you know, substantial income and disposable income don't necessarily want to be naked. Mm. And so the younger women are great with it, but they don't have the budget. So there's, but it, it's, it's, I think a lot of my mindset, I need to work around. Mm. I wonder if it's really just a matter of finding the right place to reach those people. Because I feel like St. Pete specifically, I feel like 
this is not based on any actual numbers, but the majority of people moving in are wealthier people in their 20s buying up those condos downtown. So there seems to be, and also generally, people in their 20s now are way more open sexual, sexually. So I feel like there's probably an audience there. It's just a matter of finding a way to attract them and get them to know. Yeah. So are you a member of any like local uh, organizations such as like Keep St. Pete Local or... Um, Mm, the the Arts Alliance okay. and um, St. Pete Girl Bosses. That's a really hot one. Have you oh, heard of that one? No. Oh my gosh, <laughs> these girls, these ladies are like on fire. They're just meeting and talking and like exchanging stuff all the time. And um, no, I think that's it for right now. But I, you know, that is definitely an area that I, I have recognized and. Uh, admitted that that's my my downfall is that I'm very much comfortable at home and I don't get out enough you know I'm not really afraid of people but I just find it more comfortable to not be out there but when I go out and talk to people I always feel better and it's the easiest way to get business I've I sat in my studio back there from like January to April or March, just grueling, you know, working on redoing both websites and spending all my time doing that, knowing like I have this little thing in the back of my head going, okay, you're just sitting here. Nobody even knows you exist. Like you have to get out there. You know, if I get out more shooting more, people see you doing that and you get more connections. That really is what I have to do. (laughs) Well, uh, one of my earlier interviews uh, or conversations with um, publisher John Baltusberger, he mentioned that uh, we didn't really get into art because we like talking to people. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty nice, succinct way to put it. <laughs> so no, I understand. Like there's there's so many organizations that I feel like I need to be a part of. I need to attend their events. I need to network. But it's it's exhausting just when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, and when it comes to the networking too, I think. Very often, everybody's kind of there for their own networking. So what I kind of like better is charitable things, things that are not necessarily, I'm not networking, but just, I just go down the street and start taking photos and I'll have a client. I mean, I'm that might sound a little uh, bold, but I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to do that because <laughs> it's true. It's like people, they, you know, they, they got to see you. They have to interact with you. It's, it's a very personal thing that we do. And uh, I, I'm like, I never, I don't think ads work for that reason. Like they have to know you. I saw a photographer once at Dog Bar and they had their Instagram uh, scanning key, whatever you call that, the IG tag, whatever it is, on the sleeve of their shirt. Mm-hmm. So they're at dog bar taking photos of dogs and then people can just put yeah. their phone up to them to see their previous photos. I think that's a great way to get people too. Yeah. Maybe a little tacky, but I'm sure it works. Oh, no, no. I think it's brilliant. In fact, um, that's on my list to do. I did I did put my QR code on a little luggage tag thing that mm-hmm. I have on my camera strap. Oh. Because people very often when I'm shooting, hey, do you have a card? So I can do that. But I think bigger and bolder, like mm-hmm. on the back even. Yeah, because <laughs> like, um, people do, they get curious. So I know you have uh, done a couple um, traditional fine art shows. 
Can you tell me how that has worked for you? Uh, maybe not doing stuff for a client, but just showing things in gallery or gallery type settings. Um, it's been really very interesting and also very um, traumatizing, I guess, to me <laughs> because I I don't know. I I really had this dream that I would be this artist and I could participate in these shows and things. And I can't say that I've given up on that dream, but I, I can say what I don't enjoy is I don't want to stand around and talk to people about my work. I find it really uncomfortable and um, awkward. Although, you know, like it's, it's also can be really super exciting. Like, especially if you're with friends, like the artist Enclave. And when you're, when you're doing it with people, there's a big sense of camaraderie and it's exciting to be invited to a show. It's also very exhausting and I spend a lot of money framing things. And then you, if somebody doesn't buy it, that's kind of like. Well, I can say you're not depressing. alone feeling that way because <laughs> I am constantly feeling like I don't need the fine art world, but then I'm still gonna submit a piece to this. And so I always feel this kind of pull and push about whether or not I even need that as part of my business model. So uh, I know what you're saying. Like it, it's, I wouldn't even call any of it rewarding, but a small part of me feels like I need to be represented at traditional art shows in order to feel some type of legitimacy. Yeah. And that's just pressure I'm putting on myself. So I, I don't know if that <laughs> that's how I internalize the whole ah. structure, struggle about being a quote unquote artist. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know I, if you feel any similarly with that. Yeah, it's, it's really very, very taxing. And, and yet I have learned, in fact, this last, uh, the last studio tour, I learned a really big lesson in that um, I, I tend to often you know, I don't plan well, so then I'm scrambling at the at the last minute trying to get the right frames and prints. And in this particular case, I had something framed, but it wasn't professionally framed. It looked good. And, you know, that's part of the thing. You want to show your work so people can see it. And to have every piece professionally framed, I would go broke. Right. So there were a few things up that weren't. And then my sister actually bought it. And then while I was like taking it down to like present it to her, I realized, oh no, I can never do that again. Like to put something up that isn't completely, like I, I wanna be proud of it every which way, front, back. And, it, and so I reordered it for her the right way, like the nice finished professional way. And so that was a big lesson. And, and I have learned a lot of stuff because a lot of my work is just digital and I do the, you know, here's your images. I'm trying to change right. to just prints and products, but that's a whole hurdle. But printing stuff is a whole different thing. And it, it does, it makes you kind of pay a little attention. Do you print things yourself or send them off? Send them off. Okay. I recently uh, purchased a $1,200 Canon 
Pro Infograph Pro 1000, I think it's Ooh. called. It's nice. It does uh, up to 17 by 22. Nice. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool that now, like, because I, I mean, I've done plenty of digital photography and I'm proud of photos. I look at them on a TV, I'll share them at like the photography meetings on a projector, but I've never really had them as physical objects. Yeah. But now I can feel comfortable enough to be like, you know, let's throw that on the printer, see how it looks. But I still have no idea how I should be presenting it as a physical object. Mm -hmm. It's weird because like, because you and I both do digital photography, I mean, it's probably more, you're more used to this than me, but I, I only kind of see my digital photographs as ethereal objects to look at, mm -hmm. not objects to hold. Mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of learning how to do that. So like, for example, with my digital illustrations, I almost always give them a black mat, a black frame, because I do really bright colors and that helps it pop. With the photo that I might have more subtle colors, I don't know, like, am I gonna do a white mat? Should I do a different color? Uh, I, I want to get a matting machine and just start, I mean, a mat cutter and just start oh, matting my own yes. stuff. You know what? <laughs> I wonder if, you, if um, the artist Enclave, if we cut, I don't know, are those expensive? Uh, I have no idea. I, it's, it's, I think the biggest issue isn't so much the price, but probably the space. Yeah. Because they're going to be big. And to learning how to use mats. it and like do yeah. it right. Yeah. God, I would love to have one because that that is, yeah. for me, the hardest part is the, the very image that I fall in love with. It's perfect in every way. I don't have a mat because it's not, right. you know, a, a traditional size. And then I'm scrambling to find the right mat. And so one thing I've learned from selling at a bunch of markets, at least my digital illustrations, if I put a print in a mat, it's going to be way more likely to sell than if it's just on the backing board and in a sleeve. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it seems a waste of time to try and have a sleeved and boarded photo that's not matted. Yeah. So that just makes mats even more important. Yeah, it really does kind of button it up. And make it like ready to go. And so frame-wise, I always just um, get things in bulk from Michaels that like, you know, some frames look like trash, some look good. I've got the ones that look good. I mean, like I, I figured out which ones look good with my stuff. Mm -hmm. So I always try to stick to the exact same sizes so I can always get the exact same frames. Yeah. But like with photography, and now I have more freedom of size with my printer, I really kind of need to figure out what's working for me and what's not. And do you, do you find that like photography, it just seems to not sell as well as I haven't, the other? Well, so I've only got uh, like three straight photos that I haven't like illustrated creatures into or whatever that I've actually printed and brought to markets. And those have definitely not sold. But I think it's mostly because the context. I have them surrounded by illustrations I've done. Mm -hmm. So they seem very out of place. Uh -huh. I think if I put that same photo in an art show or did an event where I was only selling photographs, they would be way more likely to sell because I've learned that when someone walks into your booth, they want to be able to, in one statement, know exactly what you do. Mm -hmm. And so someone walks into my booth and say, okay, he's a digital illustrator who makes tarot decks or whatever. If there's a photo there, they're going to ignore it because it's not part of my brand. Yeah. So I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice by having those photos. Mm -hmm. So I stopped, I, I stopped bringing them to events. But I still am proud of the photos, and I just need to figure out a better place to show them off. I would love to see them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also, a lot of times, um, if I'm like 
passing by a Goodwill or a Salvation Army and I have time, I'll just walk in there, see if there's any cheap frames I can buy, and usually I just spray paint them matte black and use them. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah. But like, see, I mean, it's just, oh. And there's something about your stuff hanging around, for me, the stuff that didn't sell, like, like I like it. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have printed it or put it up if I didn't like it. Right. But then there's this like, ooh, but nobody else liked it. <laughs> and now I gotta look at it. Like it's just a constant reminder. And in a little space like this, I haven't really found oh, how to get it out of my sight or just let it go, like mm -hmm. give it away. Oh, that reminds me, we're having a um, garage sale next Friday, not uh, the 18th. And we're, it's myself, Beth Reynolds, and my friend Marion. And we're doing, we're calling it Arts and Crafts. So <laughs> Friday night is like the arts. We're, we all have art we want to get rid of and other nice stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the leftover stuff Saturday. Okay, that sounds fun. I'll make sure to go there. <laughs> so talking about fine art settings, um, how do you decide, I guess, um, how am I going to put this? Say there is a photography show coming up and they're looking for submissions. Are you able to submit anything you took as part of like a client's project? Or is, do you have like your own personal things that you're going and pulling from? Yeah, I would. Um, in most of those cases, it would be something that I'm a project I'm working on mm -hmm. personally. If it were a client, like I would never share a client's image without their written consent. And some sometimes, you know, that has happened where it's like, oh my gosh, this would be perfect. You okay with it? Yes. So that has happened. But generally it's something that I'm purposely going out and designing and shooting and like coming up with. Can you talk a bit about some of these uh, personal projects then that you've done in the past? Um, sure. The um, one kind of ongoing thing that I love to do, but I wouldn't call it fine art though. It's, it's more portraiture, although I find it just incredibly rewarding, but it's, you know, homeless dogs and shooting dogs and people and like really promoting that love between animals and people. And so the project that I'm working on, the air quotes mean, not really hard <laughs> or not very smart but um date with my doggy so it's like showing people out having fun with their animal but not just portrait i wanted to it's more um voyeuristic in nature mm -hmm. so not like a here here's me and my dog just to my thought was to really incorporate and highlight different businesses here locally and just the vibe on Central Avenue and and um, also get the dog home. So that's one and I really want to see if um, I can break into the nude male, male nude world. It's a little frightening for me because early in my career again, like I would have, it was, it was just kind of on a regular basis, a guy would call up like, Hey, you know, they want their nude picture taken, but really they were just perverts. <laughs> it's really what it was. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about it. And so I always shied away. Like, I just can't do it. Don't want to do it. But now I've, I see that, okay, I, I'm not threatened like I used to be. Sure. And I 
I think it would be really interesting. Well, I'm sure um, cocktail would be pretty fine with you just going there <laughs> taking some photos. That'd be a wonderful place to make contacts, mm -hmm. I bet. Yeah. Um, for the listener, St. Petersburg has a thriving gay nightlife scene. Uh, <laughs> Cocktail is a new bar, uh, and the owners also own the Wet Spot. That would be a great place to get some fantastic photos, I'm sure. Yeah. Which is a uh, poolside bar, or barside pool. It's a pool with a bar, or a bar <laughs> with a pool, <laughs> right next to Cocktail. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be fun. I, I'd love to go there and just do some photos. Uh, I wonder how keen they'd be with people just taking pictures. Probably mm -hmm. not real keen. You know, they'd you be more have... keen with a lady doing it than probably me. Yeah, I think. yeah, and, and mm -hmm. with permission, I'm sure yeah. you know, it would be something like that. But you might want to wear a sign that says "You're not Moms for Liberty" or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, the male physique, especially when they're in shape, and I, mm -hmm. I love that. You know, very dramatic split lighting, backlighting to show off the physique. So mm -hmm. when I say nude, I'm not really talking about parts per right. se, but maybe oh, it's more saying, of yeah. like the landscape know, of the anatomy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if they had a day that was like photographer's welcome day, that would be a fun event so that everybody just knows that on this day there will be photographers. Oh, hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who runs that place, but I mean, that in general sounds like a fun idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just a place that has a lot of uh, people visiting, I think would be a cool event to host that. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, aside from your um, arts and crafts, what other <laughs> events do you have coming up? I, let's see. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry about the big long pause. <laughs> I'm. Um. I'm doing some re-finagling in my own personal life, which will keep me pretty busy between now and springtime on my just personal family stuff. So that's really been my focus, getting that sort of organized. But yeah, I don't really have any events that I'm signed up for or involved in. So what were those um, websites that you said you spent a few months uh, reorganizing? <laughs> what were those? Oh, um, well, my, my corporate one, which is pressnail.com, mm -hmm. and then the Glamourage, which is the one with the boudoir and the nudes. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I don't build websites, so I, I spent a lot of time, like, looking at all the different platforms, and I'd fall in love with one and, like, oh, this is it. And then run into a snag, so I'd have to start all over with something else. When, you know, a smarter person would have just hired somebody. But I knew also that I wanted to know how it works so that I can keep it updated. That's really important to me. Not have to, like, call somebody to work on it. One of my first, um, I guess, websites for chain assembly related stuff was, uh, if you have the Adobe Creative Cloud package, they give you up to five free websites. So, and then I saw that Lightroom, not Lightroom Classic, but Lightroom, you can export a batch of photos directly to a website and it links with that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's at nickrebera.com. I got my photos in there. Uh, and that just seemed like a really simple way to share, share stuff. So uh, what are your sites built on? Um, GoDaddy. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I got a lot of like, oh no, don't do that. But I was already into I use GoDaddy. It, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It 
It seemed to do, it was, I mean, I'm not kidding. I tried them all, like wicks. I, I, I can't even name all the different ones that I fell in love with and thought, this is it. And then, nope, start over. <laughs> so it, um, it was pretty taxing, but I'm pretty happy with them. And I realized, too, that most of my friends who are just my age or a little younger, mostly younger, everyone says, what? You don't even need a website. Just be on Instagram, Instagram. And... I find it really difficult to, um, like, I, you know, besides doing the websites, I did try to, like, get my Facebook page, you know, business pages and the Instagram and WhatsApp and the, I'm not doing Twitter, but, like, all of those things together, spending all the time in that cave out there <laughs> doing that, um, I'm not sure that I got any further ahead. <laughs> I find that personally I use Instagram less and less just as someone browsing stuff. Yeah. It's been a long time since I opened up Instagram just to see what people are up to because when I do, it's not anyone that I'm following. It's always just ads and like hashtags and stuff that I follow. So I feel like the audience is kind of falling away from Instagram. Oh. Just because I always assume my mm -hmm. audience is exactly like I am. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing something less, then they're doing something less. Ah, okay. So I think... TikTok is probably where it's at, <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I mean, I just can't do can. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, aside from those two websites, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, gosh, I, I didn't, I can't, I don't know. No, just, um, um, well, no, one thing we are working on and it has to do with like some, um, ordinances for spay and neuter just always about the dogs like so I'll be in touch with you and other people about this but like it's just uh, like a personal quest sure. to okay. like, help that alright so for the listeners please spay and neuter your dog <laughs> and um, you, you can find Lisa's amazing photographs at glamourage.com g-l-a-m-a-r-a-g-e dot com mm -hmm. and pressnail.com p-r-e-s-n-a-i-l Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was wonderful chatting with you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Art for Profit's Sake is recorded through Riverside FM, distributed through Spotify for Podcasters, and edited on Adobe Audition. The music is provided by Old Romans. If you learned anything useful or found this podcast helpful, please rate and review us five stars. If you want to learn more about me or my art, head over to chainassembly.com.